We're going to pray over our lives and we're in a series on the Holy Spirit. And one of the things that I really felt led to do any message and every message of this month is for you to stand and for you to lay hands upon yourself. Because there's two key areas that we've got to have open to God and that's our minds and our hearts. And so easily we can close our minds off. You know, I don't like that. It doesn't sound right. We just shut our minds down. And we can't do that. We've got to keep our minds open, but also we've got to keep our heart open to what God wants to do. So would you just lay your hands on your mind? Would you lay your hands on your heart? And would you just join with me again tonight as we pray? Dear Heavenly Father, we just pray right now that you would anoint our minds and you would anoint our hearts. Our minds to receive and to be open and our hearts, God, also to be open to receive. Because God, your word says, as a man thinks in his heart, so he is. God, we pray, transform our thinking. God, renew our minds tonight and refresh our hearts. Because God, what we need to hear is the truth of your word. And we come against any obstacle in our mind. We come against any hindrance in our heart. And God, we pray, God, right now that our minds would be open and our hearts would be willing to receive what you would say to us, your church, tonight. In Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. Come on, just high five someone before you sit down and say, come on, tonight's for you. Tonight's for you. And tonight again, we're going to continue, as I said, on the Holy Spirit. I've been working on my message for Sunday. I'm telling you right now, I've just been so excited even just preparing the message on Sunday because we're just really looking at what does the Holy Spirit do for my life? I mean, what benefits come as a result of me being baptized in the Holy Spirit? And I'm telling you right now, the benefits are out of this world and only a fool would not want to be a part of those. And I I did say that only a fool would not want the best that God has for his children. So come once again on Sunday, prepare to listen, prepare to receive. Tonight we're going to be praying for people. Sunday we're going to be praying for people. Just so many opportunities for people to receive the baptism in the Holy Spirit. Because we are a Pentecostal church. When people ask me what we are, I say we're full gospel, we're Pentecostal, one of those. But I'm not ashamed of the fact that we are Pentecostal. It means that we believe in the baptism of the Holy Spirit. That doesn't mean we're weird. And a lot of people have that mindset. Well, if they're Pentecostal, it means they're swinging from the rafters. They're running around, screaming and hollering and shouting. Unfortunately, there are some churches like that. But I'm just going to go on the record saying that's not God. 
I'm not trying to be unkind, but that's not God. If anything is repelling people from coming in, come on, that's not the Spirit of God. Because God's Spirit is a drawing Spirit. Did you know that the Bible speaks about that one of the reasons we're filled with the evidence of speaking in tongues is so that our life can be a witness to unbelievers? That's what the Bible says. That when we speak in tongues, it can be a witness to the unbeliever because it can give them a desire for the things of God because they sense the moving and the operation of God in the life of the believer. And we want God not to make us weird in the sense of crazy. We want God to make us weird in the fact of we want to be like Him and we, we don't want to be like the world. We want to be set apart for Him. But we don't want to be weird in the fact that we're crazy and we're irrelevant for the people around us today. And as a church, that's our identity. We want to be a church that's a place where people can come in. There can be healing for the hurting. There can be the answers to the questions that people have in their hearts and minds. So again, make the commitment to be here. Make the commitment to be here on Sunday. Make the commitment to follow up on the messages that you've missed. I think the CD crashed from last Wednesday night, unfortunately. But last Sunday and the Sunday before are on the website and on a podcast. And this one will be up tomorrow or by the end of the week, God willing. So, so just make that commitment to follow on. Listen to this. I read this yesterday. The two major diseases in the church. Two major diseases in the church. Number one, convenient commitment. And the second one, limited involvement. It's two of the greatest diseases that we have in the church today. is convenient commitment, that we come when it's convenient. That we commit our lives when we feel like it. And then the other disease is limited involvement. And you've got to be careful that you don't fall victim to those diseases. Why? Because then you may get left behind. And how many knows that's a serious disease you don't want to be a part of. So I just encourage you, don't have that convenient commitment when it fits you. Because a lot of time I've found in my life, the times I wasn't at church was the times I needed to be at church. And I realized afterwards the reason why I was so opposed being there because God spoke to me that night. And God was able to minister. So don't Miss out on what God has for you and don't fall victim to one of those diseases. So tonight what I want to do is I want to talk quickly about the five symbols of the Holy Spirit. We're going to have some opportunity to answer some questions if there are any that you have on the Holy Spirit and hopefully we can answer them at the end of this message. But I want to talk tonight about the five symbols of the Holy Spirit. The five of them are as such. It's oil, a dove... Water, wind, and fire. Don't worry if you didn't get all those because we're going to go through them one by one. But it's oil, a dove, water, wind, and fire. Now what we're going to show you tonight is each one of these symbols is important because it represents an attribute or characteristics of the Holy Spirit. Different aspects of the Holy Spirit and each of them is important. But we've got to remember that these are types and suggestions or representation of the Holy Spirit. They are not the Holy Spirit. So we're not putting our faith in these things, but they're symbolic of that of the Spirit. But yet our faith is in the Holy Spirit. It's just like a company has a logo. That logo represents the company, but it's not the company. So the symbols that we're going to talk about are representing the Holy Spirit, but they are not 
the Holy Spirit. So their purpose is simply to illustrate or to give illumination and new, new insight and understanding. So let's look at symbol number one, oil. In the scriptures, we see oil as a type of the Holy Spirit. Predominantly in the Old Testament where oil was used more, the Bible says that when they would take the priests and they would consecrate them, when they would take the priests and they would set them to serve in the house of God, they would pour gallons of oil literally upon their heads that it would run all the way down them and it would go right to their feet. Now, We don't have to do that today to have the Holy Spirit work. I'm telling you right now, a funny story. I was in a church where they did that to me. It was probably about 12, 14 years ago. I was in a church like that, had on a brand new silk shirt. That's when silk shirts for guys were really cool. You know, that just had this really cool silk shirt on. And these people asked me forward and anointed me with oil. And man, did they anoint me. The oil kept flowing and flowing and flowing. They poured it over my head. I felt it filling my ears and they're big to fill. Come on, say amen. And then it went down and it ruined my nice silk shirt. And everyone says, ah. Oh. But we've got to be careful because it's not how much we pour on, but it's the symbol. But the priests of those days, they would consecrate them for service. So we would see that the oil would be used to consecrate them, to set them apart from ser- for service. Those priests then would also anoint who was to be the next king of those nations. So what we see was, or the oil is a consecration, a setting apart for service, but yet also it was a type of showing the choice of God. Because when anointing a king, like I said, they would anoint them as a symbol or symbolic of the fact that God's choice or God's hand was upon them. How many remembers the story of Saul? That Saul was chosen of God. But what we see is there was a transferal because of his disobedience, and we're not getting into that, but we see then that David was anointed to be the king of Israel. If you know the story... Samuel, the prophet of the day, the one that God would speak, the mouthpiece of God. He was instructed by God to quit complaining and moaning and crying over the fact that Saul had been rejected. And God told him, fill your horn with oil and go. I've got a mission for you, and that's to anoint the next choice of God. So Samuel was instructed to go to the house of Jesse. So he lines up all the sons he thinks of Jesse, but there's minus one. Eliab is the oldest, a striking, handsome guy, the Bible says, that Samuel looked at and says, this has got to be the one. But no matter how much Samuel wanted to be the one, it was not the one of God. They tell us that the reason Samuel knew it wasn't because the oil did not flow. I want you to picture something right now is what would happen in this situation, they tell us, is that the horn of oil would be filled and prepped and ready and the prophet would hand that or put it over the person and pour it and if the oil did not flow, they were not the chosen of God. Can you see Samuel right now looking at Eliab? Because Saul already is head and shoulders above every other man of Israel. He was a great man in the physical stature. And he was a great man in the spiritual stature till he 
rebelled and disobeyed God. But can you see Samuel saying, this has got to be the next one, and he, but nothing happens. He goes down the line and nothing's happened. And Samuel's scratching his head and turns to Jesse and says, what's the deal? Something. And he says, well, there is one more. He's the forgotten son. He's the little shepherd boy that no one really cares about, that he's left out in the field. So the prophet says, bring him. And the Bible says that when he stood before Samuel, the oil flowed. And it flowed all down through David. It flowed down his face. It flowed over his head. And it flowed all over his clothing, symbolizing the choice or the favor of God upon his life. So throughout the Word of God, we can see other examples We can also see in the Old Testament, you can read it in Exodus 27, 20, that they would use oil in the lamp in the holies of holies. And God instructed the priest that it was to burn continually, to never run out with oil. So the light of God or the illumination of God would shine forth constantly. In Mark chapter 6 verse 13 and James 5 verse 14, we see that oil is to be used in anointing those who are sick, that you anoint them with oil, symbolic of the Holy Spirit's work in their lives. So the emphasis of oil in the scriptures is intended to teach us that the Holy Spirit wants to be totally involved in the spiritual life of the believer in Christ. Look at oil and look at its characteristics or look at what it does. It penetrates, it permeates, it saturates, it soothes, it moistens, it protects, it lubricates. It also purges and cleans and if burnt it gives forth what? Warmth and illumination. So we see from the scripture the Holy Spirit that is the illumination of God, the anointing of God, that which permeates, that which helps, that which is there, a type or a symbol of the Holy Spirit. The second one we see is the dove, the dove. In Luke chapter 3 and verse 22, it's mentioned that when Jesus was being baptized, that the Spirit of God descended upon him in the form of a dove. During the baptism, we see the Trinity. We see the triune Godhead. Why? Because we see Jesus being baptized. We see the dove come upon him, symbolic of the Holy Spirit. And then we also are told that there's a voice that rings out from heaven. This is my beloved Son. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit all represented right there in that specific moment in time. A dove is known as what? It's a symbol of peace. It's a symbol of gentleness, as gentle as a dove. It's just what we know. It's a saying. So it's a gentleness, the Holy Spirit's workings are gentle. And we've got to realize this. Just like with a dove outside, you can't go woo to a dove outside and expect it not to fly away. You've got to be very gentle and go up very slowly. And at any time, you run the risk of spooking it. You know what? It's a showing us that of the Holy Spirit. Not that the Holy Spirit is easily spooked, but the Holy Spirit can be offended and grieved by the actions of our life. The Holy Spirit wants to work in our life like a dove. Have you ever gone astray, but yet you felt that gentle nudging of the Holy Spirit just saying to you, come on, 
What you're doing is those words you said, that's not the right. That action, man, that's not. Have you ever felt that gentle nudging, that wooing, that drawing of the Holy Spirit? That's the Holy Spirit as the dove. That gentle yet constant leading of the Holy Spirit. What a beautiful picture of the Holy Spirit, His gentleness. That the, I've heard this often said that the Holy Spirit is a perfect gentleman. You know what? He won't come where He's not welcomed and when He's not welcomed to stay, He'll leave. And it's just like that of a dove, the gentleness of a dove. The third symbol we see is water or specifically that of living water as John 7 verse 37 through 39 tells us. Jesus said these words on the last day, that is the great day of the feast. Jesus stood up and cried out saying, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Verse 38, he who believes in me, as the scriptures have said, out of his innermost being or his heart will flow forth rivers of living water. But this he spoke concerning the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, whom those believe in him would receive, for the Holy Spirit was not yet given. Jesus said, here's what the Holy Spirit wants to do in your life. This is before the Holy Spirit had been poured out. But Jesus says the Holy Spirit wants to be a river of life, a river of healing inside of you. Living water, that which will bring forth life. You know, there's something about water and that is this. It's very refreshing. You know, today we've got so many other substitutes and today when it's hot, you know, a lot of people will go for a Coke, a lot of people will go for a Powerade. But really, there's nothing more refreshing and satisfying than a cool glass of ice-cold, fresh water. Beautiful. That which brings forth life. We look at it as refreshing. Something else about water, what does it do? It cleans you. Come on, it cleans you. Thank God if we add soap to it, it even cleans us even in a better way. How many knows that that can be a part of the Holy Spirit too? Some soap in the mix. But thank God the Holy Spirit is refreshing, it's cleaning. But you know what else water does? Water is used as a purification. What a beautiful symbol of the Holy Spirit that wants to refresh us, that wants to clean us, that wants to purify us. Something else about water, and that is this. Water is one of the basic requirements that we need of life. You can't live without water. You can't live without water. The body must have water as a source of life. I really believe our bodies, the spirit within each one of us, needs the Holy Spirit in it to bring forth life in it. My mum and dad, I've heard my mum say this so many times, you know, about people, they're saved, but they're just as miserable as sin. Have you ever known anyone like that, that just are saved, but they're miserable? I've heard my mum say this so many times. You know what that person needs, she says? They need the Holy Spirit. Why? Because they need a refreshing, they need a cleansing, they need a purification in their lives. We need the water of the Holy Spirit in every one of our lives. And you know what? Jesus didn't just talk about it as water, but a river of living water. Something about a river, and that is this, when it bursts its banks, you know what? It's uncontrollable. It can flow over. What does that mean? The Holy Spirit is able right now to flow over every one of us. It's not just limited to being gentle and just touching one or two. 
that it can have an outpouring, just a overflowing. It can flow out into every one of our lives and into every area of our life. Something about water, isn't it? It can get in places that you never thought anything could get to. But it always can work its way in. Thank God that's just like the Holy Spirit that wants to refresh us. Symbol number four. Is this okay tonight? Number four, wind. Wind. We see in Acts chapter 2 and verse 2, we see this. The Bible says, And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the house where they were all sitting. In John 3 verse 8, we read this scripture, and it says, The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear the sound of it, but you cannot tell from where it comes and from where it goes. So is everyone who is born of the Spirit, capitalized, the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit is like a wind. You can stand outside and you can't see the wind, but you can see the effects of it. You don't have to say, well, I think that's the wind. You can know it's the wind. Why? Because you feel the effects of it. The Holy Spirit is like that. It wants us to feel its effect. And it can be gentle at times. It can be gentle. And you know what a gentle wind does? Brings refreshing. Isn't it nice when you can be sitting outside in 90 odd degrees and then all of a sudden you say, wow, did you just feel that breeze? Just feel that wind blow by. Wow, that felt so good. That was God opening the windows in heaven. You know that? And that was some of the air conditioning escaping out and just touching you. But isn't it refreshing when you just feel that cool breeze? When it's hot at night, what do you do? You turn a fan on. What does a fan do? It creates a wind. It creates air movement for what? To bring refreshing into your life. So it can be gentle and it can be refreshing. But we know firsthand living in Louisiana, it can also be strong. Come on, like a hurricane, like a tornado. What can it do? It can knock down things in its pathway. It can do mighty and powerful things on those who are his children. So the symbol of the wind is this. Yes, once again, it can refresh me. It can just give me that breeze I need. But you know what? It can also knock me down when I need to be knocked down. It can knock me into place when I need to be knocked into place. That I can sense the power and the anointing of God. You had a question, Mike? Okay, you're just agreeing with me. I like it. And so, you know, and and that's what the wind does. So being both powerful and gentle, I'm telling you this, it doesn't pay to oppose the Holy Spirit. And lastly tonight, symbol number five is the fire, the fire of God. Matthew 3 verse 11, John the Baptist said these words. He said, I indeed baptize you with water unto repentance, but he who is coming after me, Jesus, he is in reference to, is mightier than I am, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry, He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. And we see this fulfilled in Acts chapter 2 and verse 3, because the Bible tells us there, there, then there appeared to them divided tongues as of fire, and one sat upon each of them. God's word confirms that fire came from heaven and sat upon each of them. One of them. 
We read in Hebrews 12 and verse 29 later that what? For God is a consuming fire. We see the Holy Spirit, the symbol of fire as in the Holy Spirit. Why? Because there's a lot of things that fire can do. I wrote down a few. Are you ready? Fire can refine and change materials from one form to another. I like watching those shows, how it's made. Anyone ever watch those kind of shows? And they show how they can take something and make something incredible. And they show all the processes. For a lot of things that are made out of metal, what happens? That iron ore first has to be heated up in a fire that it goes to literally a liquid where it is pliable and it can either be beaten into shape or it can be molded into a shape. But what does it need to do? It needs to come under the fire in order for it to be refined and changed. What else does a fire do? A fire can consume an item. Have you ever seen anything? I remember as kids, you know, you, you know when you're fascinated when, with kids with stuff? Me and my cousin were fascinated one day. We took a magnifying glass and we were trying to start a fire with a magnifying glass. So we kind of just got kind of bored with that after we saw smoke and no fire. You know what I'm talking about? So we thought we'd just up the antics a little bit. So we saw the gas can. So we thought what we'll do is we'll just put some gas out and then we'll get the magnifying glass and see if something else can happen. Well, you know what? It was just too slow. So we had this idea. If we grab some matches and the gas, we could just make it happen right there and then. So we decided that we were just going to do that. So we got some boxes and we poured some gasoline over them. And being kids, we didn't realize that when you pour gasoline over something, it kind of goes... And then it kind of dies down and it kind of consumes those boxes really quick. So we poured gasoline on it and then we lit the match. And well, then all of a sudden the fire wasn't as great as we thought it was. So I said to my cousin, throw some more gas on the fire. When he began to throw gas on the fire, the fire followed the gas into the can and we screamed. He threw the can that went into the hedge. Gas went everywhere and the hedge went all completely on fire. We thought we were gone. We thought it was over, but thank God it was an evergreen hedge. So it was all green, so it didn't burn up and it wasn't consumed. But how many knows that fire can consume things really, really quick? And incidentally, we did learn our lesson and we haven't played with fire ever again. Okay, maybe a couple of times. But fire can remove something from existence. Can you see the Holy Spirit as a fire that he wants to consume sometimes, not people. You know, the, one of the disciples or two of the disciples said, God, you know, these people, they've kind of rejected you. Would you send fire down from heaven and would you consume them all? What did Jesus say to him? You, you're of the wrong spirit. You've got the wrong spirit. That's not what we've come here to do. But you know what? There's things in my life, in your life, that I need the fire of the Holy Spirit to consume and take away. And thank God his Holy Spirit wants to do that. What else can we see about a fire? A fire can change the appearance of an object. When you watch someone who blows glass and they heat it up in a fire, they can take a liquid and they can make it into beautiful vases. They can make it into sculptures and works of art. Why? Because fire can be used to change the appearance of something. Fire gives warmth. Fire gives 
light. Fire purifies. Fire cleanses. Each one of these and many more we could share tonight demonstrate why fire is an excellent type of the Holy Spirit. Each one of those characteristics we talked about, all the functions of fire, is a typical act of the Holy Spirit and what He wants to do in the life of us, a believer. He wants to refine us, to purge us, to transform us, to consume the sin and the dross and burn those things off in our lives. Why? Because one thing we know about the Holy Spirit is this. He never leaves us the same. Never leaves us the same. Never leaves us the same. And again, remember what we've shared with you tonight. These symbols, oil, the dove, wind, water, wind and fire. Remember once again that these are all a type of the Holy Spirit and are not themselves the Holy Spirit. Someone asked a question, I believe it was last Wednesday, about they saw a dove. Was that God? Hey, God can use those things. That is a symbol. But let's make sure we're not putting our faith in symbols, but we're putting our faith in the Holy Spirit. That we're placing our faith in God. We've got to watch that we don't worship the type instead of the person of the Holy Spirit. And the person of the Holy Spirit is the person of God for your life right now. For your life right now. So five symbols, each with their beautiful qualities and characteristics that can define the working of the Holy Spirit, each together showing His completed work that He desires to accomplish in your life. And the Holy Spirit's desire is to carry out the work of God. So when we look at the gentleness of the dove, when we look at the refreshing of water, when we look at maybe the blowing down of wind, when we look at that which a fire consumes, when we look at that which anoints and penetrates with oil, we would see over and over again the working and the power of the Holy Spirit that wants to be evident in every one of your lives. Is that okay tonight? We would like to thank you for listening to this message today. We pray that your life has been challenged by what you've heard, but we also know it will be changed as you put God's Word into effect. At Heart Seas Family Life Church, our doors are always open to help. If you need any more information or just a friend to listen, we are here. Call us at 225-274-1607 or email us at pastorp at hflc.us. Remember, put God first in your life and everything you do will prosper. We look forward to seeing you soon. God bless.